you can learn any new skill. I mean, I'm talking, I was all over Asia, Australia, in a whole new world learning. And for me, I wouldn't say I've ever been the smartest girl in the room, but I'd say I'm the most strategic girl in the room. So I like to listen and figure out how you can get it done faster, better, you know, and then I love to rise up people around me who are smarter than me because hello, it makes me look smarter. Mm -hmm. And so many times leaders are afraid that if someone under them rises above them, they're going to be left behind or out promoted where I learned a long time ago. If I act like, you know, I could be gone tomorrow and rise people up, I just kept getting promoted. And so ironically, the more we pour in, listen, learn, the stronger your team becomes. So, so that really helped me become successful. Hello and welcome to Your Creative Haven, a podcast by Kobe. Join us as we talk about things like community, creativity, collaboration, and self-discovery. We'll share stories, struggles, tips, and laughs about living lives as creatives, entrepreneurs, and dreamers. Join us on the journey. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Your Creative Haven. I've got my friend Kinsey Pentecost here. She is the CMO of a nine-figure health and wellness brand and she does all sorts of other things. So she's got a pretty big resume and uh, hello Kinsey. Thanks for coming on. Yes. Thank you, Josh, for having me. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. Yeah, this is super exciting. And uh, I haven't talked to Kinsey in a while now, so this will be a fun little catch up for us too um, as well. Um, Kinsey, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're originally from and where you're currently located and kind of just a brief overview of uh, what you're focusing your time on? I'm a Midwest girl, so Josh and I can relate on that level. Yeah. I'm from Michigan, and uh, my background is uh, my career was in anti human trafficking. Uh, I was all in with philanthropy. My life took a twist. I ended up in Florida, um, really pouring a lot into changing legislation, laws, and trying to catch up with human trafficking and how we could fight it domestically in the United States. Um, I got an opportunity to make a serious pivot in my life and ended up in Ireland uh, for the last five and a half years of my life um, doing marketing for a health and wellness company. So kind of all my passions collided and uh, it's never too late to start your career over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big pivot from uh from doing that to going into marketing so so we'll definitely we'll definitely dive into that uh, a little bit um and and we can probably actually um start from the beginning like when when you so you said you first got into anti-human trafficking that was that was your kind of first major job role would you say yeah so I went to college and got my master's degree and decided I was going to go save the world and stop uh, human trafficking. And really, my passion was giving women a voice. And although human trafficking affects all genders, um, 
I, my experiences with women. And so I found myself fresh out of college and uh, in Florida, and I was kind of kicking and screaming. I never imagined living in Florida until I found out they were number three in the United States for human trafficking. And I was like, oh, I guess this is good. God, thanks for this moment. Um, and I'd really, I'd always studied uh, the Nordic model out of Sweden. And really that's where you go after the buyer and not, um, you know, if you go after demand, the person buying sex, then you won't have a problem. And our country really punishes uh, people selling themselves. And, and that's not a way we can get out of human trafficking if we stay that way. And so I was a young thing and got a lot. I, I say I'm, I was lucky. I ended up in the right place at the right time. And I was like a pit bull. My dad always said I was like a little kitty that sees a lion when I look in the mirror. And it's true. I found myself working with lawyers and police and being the first point of contact for human trafficking cases. And, and to be honest, I retained things in class and studied cases because I was going to go be a lawyer and it really helped me um, help police. And, and we got a few big cases quickly. And next thing you know, I was um, sought after as one of the top working models in the States. And it just kind of escalated from there. But a very exciting time for me, but a very, um, to see momentum and to see a culture shift. I mean, today, you know, there's a lot out there about porn being connected to trafficking. And back then they looked at you like you were crazy. If you tried mm -hmm. to touch a man's porn, forget about it. Um, yeah. and, and so we've come a long way, but that's really my roots and where I started. And I'm very much still involved in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And is that something that you just had to kind of learn as you went or like, how do you, how did you even like know what you were doing? <laughs> I, I like, that's why I like to say I got lucky. Um, I showed up, I definitely studied everything. I was obsessed with reading books from porn stars. I was obsessed with um, going to porn conferences. I know this is crazy. Going <laughs> to strip clubs and brothels and I would sit at the feet of sex workers and ask questions. And so for a few years when the police wouldn't listen to me and they wouldn't like say a 16 year old shouldn't be able to prostitute herself and be arrested. And so I think I just started talking to so many women and then I ended up getting flown out to California and getting trained by an ex porn star who was working. She had her own trafficking organization and she taught me so much. So I had just women that had gone through it pouring into me and I paid attention. I think you got to stay humble. I always felt like, who am I to be in this position and what do I know? And then I would end up knowing something that helped solve a case, but I stayed humble the entire time as I was learning how this was happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that sounds like it's super intense. Like you're right in the thick of it where, where this is all happening. And, but like, I guess, is that something that's, that was hard to do for you or is like your natural personality, someone that is able to handle like intense situations? Like what, what was that like for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I would be, um, not doing you any justice if I said, that I handled it all, it, it was, I became very jaded. I can remember being at Sam's club with my mom and a 75 year old man was 
crossing the street and my mom's like, oh, look at that cute little man. I'm like, sick. He probably buys girls. I mean, I was like <laughs> a hot mess because I kept going out with the police and seeing just every type of man buying girls. And I was like, oh, what's wrong with our world? Mm -hmm. And then I watched, this is something cool that I paid attention to and not cool, um, but more like our whole world needs to know about it. Police are told to go undercover, not be able to talk about their cases, pretend to be someone else. So you're essentially saying, go lie, keep it a secret, and then don't fall into anything. You know, when you get a dirty cop who's buying a prostitute, I'm like, well, no wonder. We just spent 12 hours in a hotel room going undercover, and we can't go home and tell our spouses. Mm -hmm. And so you really um, started to think we, we've got a, people in this dark world need counseling. I mean, Josh, we met because your mother was counseling me through yeah. all of this. And thank God I worked for an organization that believed in counseling because um, it, it's very dark and you become jaded and you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely an intense world to, to be in. And, um, yeah, that's, that's so cool how you just kind of stepped into it and was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. And, uh, I feel like that speaks a lot to just your personality and, and just how you, um, go about doing things. So I love it. Um, so, so you started off doing this and then how long, like how long were you going in, into these places and doing this for? So for about, I'd say all in all, like 10 years and frontline. So frontline being, I mean, in the beginning, it was like, we're going to go into this brothel and you can go interview these women and we're going to take down the pimps. And a lot of times pimps were women pimping out the girls or going hmm. into the jails. And so it was 10 years frontline. You know, I used to ride solo or with a church and then I moved into riding with the cops. And I remember the day I had to sign a paper saying I wouldn't go into these places alone anymore because I'd become at risk for too many pimps knowing my name and knowing mm -hmm. who I was. And they were afraid I was going to get kidnapped or something. And so I was like, I shifted a little bit into, hmm, maybe I don't need to go knock down the door with a SWAT team. I'll just stay <laughs> in the car till it's clear. You know, I, I started wising up a little bit. Yeah. Sounds like you're uh, living on a movie there. That's pretty crazy. Um, and so, so you did this for 10 years. And then it sounds like you had a pretty major shift after this in your life. Like what, what was that? Yeah, so my father um, was diagnosed with cancer. And we had a pretty big scare for what stage of cancer he had because he had blood cancer. And so um, he had quite the journey ahead of him with recovery. And he needed his family all hands on deck. And so um, I offered to uproot my life and move to Ireland and um, run sales and marketing for our international headquarters. And I'm the kind of girl that just jumps in head first and I'm like, sure, yeah, this is a great idea. And then I landed and I was like, I have no experience in sales and marketing. And what am I doing in Ireland? I know no one. Um, at, you know, mid thirties and just starting my life over friendships, career, everything. And, uh, it, it was quite an adventure. <laughs> yeah. And so how, how long did you say you were there in Ireland for? Yeah. So I just moved back about less than a month ago. Um, 
and I was there for almost six years. So, you know, it's funny. My father is in remission now and he's doing well. And he said, uh, I sent you there for a year or two. You weren't supposed to stay that long. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny. I fell in love with it. So, yeah. And so, okay. So you were, you were, would you say you're running over there in Ireland for the company? Were you like running everything? Yes. I ended up running everything. So <laughs> yeah. ran their um, international headquarters, but really, um, so there was a lot of operations and whatnot, but also uh, marketing. So what was my main focus? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and did you say that you had any sort of background at all? That was just something no. that you kind of got thrown into. It seems like, it seems like this is kind of the story of your life, just throwing yourself into things and uh, learning as you go. <laughs> Yeah, I like to tell people, fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah, because I remember somebody looked at me and said, we can't hire that person. They don't have the right degree. And I said, hey, I have a master's in criminal justice. Like, I think it'll be okay. (laughs) So I think um, my world's kind of collided, though, full circle, because as I was uh, fighting against human trafficking, and going to porn conferences, I was blogging about taking care of yourself and having the right products and nutrition and health um, because I believed I couldn't be my best self if I wasn't living my best self. So it actually really worked out well because I always said in another life I would have been into fashion, Um, but I ended up in human trafficking. You know, there we go, two different worlds there. So I really, it was exciting because I got to take over um, slowly and surely. I was getting promoted into taking over our product portfolio and our apparel portfolio, and I was loving life. And those things were very important to me, the health and wellness aspect of living uh, just as much. It's funny how much you have in common. It doesn't matter the organization as much as the meat and the Uh, or the bones or whatever you want to say of the organization. So uh, human trafficking organizations were reaching out to me about fundraising and brand and marketing. And all of a sudden I had all this experience to offer them. So it kind of all collided and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I first want to hear um, just a little bit about the marketing side of things. Now, now that you are running, running the marketing side for for the company and then i do want to um, shift over to talking a little bit about your personal brand and helping helping um, take care of yourself and helping teach people about those things so um what were some of like the big things because you just got thrown into the marketing side of things what were maybe a couple of like the big lessons that you've learned there like you, whether if it's working with with other people or whether it's just like practicals in marketing. Um, is there, is there a couple thing like major things in there that you could talk about? Yeah. And you know, it's kind of funny. It's a, uh, I wouldn't have known this until you asked it the way you asked it, but a repeated theme for me would be to not act like I know everything and listen. So, you know, you might expect the owner's daughter comes over and, you know, but I was like, Oh my gosh, are these people going to judge me? Because, I'm the owner's daughter. Like I want to show them like I'm a work horse and I know like, you know, I'm here for business and I'm not here for a free ride. And so, um, I wanted to get my hands dirty and I, I really, I believe you have to sit at, um, you know, the level where you're learning. So there's the worker bees and I sat with them 
and I listened to them. And I mean, at first I was just doing sales. And next thing you know, they're like, can you take over the product portfolio? Can you take over? And I just kept getting more and more and more and more and more. But really, I believe the bot like for me and what I can suggest to people listening is uh, you can learn any new skill. I mean, I'm talking I was all over Asia, Australia in a whole new world learning. And for me, I wouldn't say. I've ever been the smartest girl in the room, but I'd say I'm the most strategic girl in the room. So I like to listen and figure out how you can get it done faster, better, you know, and then I love to rise up people around me who are smarter than me because hello, it makes me look smarter. Mm -hmm. And so many times leaders are afraid that if someone under them rises above them, they're going to be left behind or out promoted where I learned a long time ago. If I act like, you know, I could be gone tomorrow and rise people up. I just kept getting promoted. And so ironically, the more we pour in, listen, learn, the stronger your team becomes. So, so that really helped me become successful. And is that strategy, um, gift, um, strength, is that something that you knew you had before all of this? Um, probably not. I mean, I definitely know I started seeing and cultivating that when I was, I had no budget trying to come, you know, start sex trade support groups and whatnot. And I had to cultivate hundreds of volunteers. And so you've got to kind of, I like to call things that might be boring, like a party, like, Hey, you want to come here and do a tax party? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> whatever you got to do. Yeah. Super exciting party. <laughs> yeah. I throw a party on a lot of things, but, um, I, I think it is my gift for sure. But I think here's the key. It's contagious. So I know my team follows what I do. So I watch different team members come from other teams where they're like elbowing to get to the front of the line, where under me, they're like, oh, yeah, I've got to rise up our team. And so I noticed that people want that style of leadership because it's contagious and it feels like a team. There's a lot of we in that, not I, um, and it feels safe. And so I will say whether you have the gift or not, it is contagious to cultivate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about your personal brand. Um, can you just do like a brief overview of what, what that is, what you're, what you're doing with your, your personal brand? Yeah, so in another life maybe I was I'm like into fashion and also um, a chef. I am obsessed. Like my happy place is listening to French music or jazz in my kitchen and having time to just cook. And it's so comical, Josh, because I never cooked before. Like my idea of cooking was a brownie mix where I had to add water and eggs and that was homemade to me. And so I'm like, I can't stand 84 steps. So I try to like dumb it down and make it easy because usually people are running around with their kids or whatever, and they don't have time. So I love to dumb down recipes that are healthy, good for you, life-giving and share them. And so I really, I started, um, I guess I wouldn't even have called it my brand, but now it's my brand. Um, I started coaching on eating and cooking and I did my first cookbook a while ago. But then as I progressed in my life and really started to get a brand, you know, people I worked with were like, your first cookbook doesn't match your brand. And I was like, okay, let's do another one. Like 
what else do I have to do in my life? Not realizing how much that was taking on, but it was during the pandemic in Ireland. It ended up just being a passion project, doing another cookbook. Um, you know, I, I really, I have a website and I really focus on to be your best self. You've got to, what you pour into your mind is what's going to come out. You know, right now there's so much in the media and there's people that are like, I'm afraid I'm so anxious. And I'm like, what are you watching? Or, you know, for me, I love to say I was, I was getting into housewives and all of a sudden I wanted rosé all day and I don't need rosé all day. And so I was like, <laughs> I need to stop watching housewives. There's going to be some little messages over here. <laughs> so it's really a space where, you can come and get free recipes and I talk about what you feed your mind. I blog and then I do have um, a human trafficking part where I really help people, whether they need freedom and want to join a group because um, they've had sexual abuse in their background or something going on they want healing from. Or if you're a parent and you want tips for your kids, um, I'm blogging about what's the latest and how you can be involved. So that's just my passion and I just like to keep putting those things out there. Uh, that's so cool. I love passion projects and it makes me so excited when I hear people doing those things. And um, I am the same way as you as far as cooking. That's become my like new creative outlet. Like, cause for work, I'm always doing like your typical creative work doing video stuff. And I was like, I need some sort of other thing outside of work that I can like have fun doing. And it's turned into cooking. And I used to be, I used to be one of those people, especially in college, like macaroni and cheese and uh, sandwiches. <laughs> and now I was like, you're bougie. Mine was <laughs> rainbow noodles. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, I was, I was pretty fancy, fancy with my uh, college meals. So you know, um, so um, that's I love that you're um, doing doing those things and um, talking about wellness and health and that's something here at Kobe that like we absolutely love doing we I mean that's how you become a healthy person is by taking care of yourself and especially in our uh, hustle culture of getting burnt out and just working all the time do you uh, have any advice for people there as far as taking care of themselves I'm like a poster child for doing it all wrong to <laughs> then learn how to have some balance. So I started a podcast called The Balance Girl, but I laugh because it's really me on the journey to find balance. Um, you know, I I don't I didn't take care of myself or put myself first. I'm a yes girl. I'm raising my hand. I got that. Put me in. Yeah, I'll do it. Come on. And I just. Somewhere along the line in the last few years, I burnt myself out. And really what's funny is it always happens physical to me. So all of a sudden I'm like, my back's gone out. I'm young. I shouldn't have my back going out. Uh, and, and really I had to realign my calendar, like a sneaky little tip. Like I go to yoga and I literally will put in my calendar physical therapy. And I do that because I don't cancel physical therapy and nobody questions physical therapy, but I landed myself twice in physical therapy because I wasn't taking care of me. And I think just getting back to sleeping, putting your phone outside of your bedroom, oh my gosh, changed my life. 
Um, but guys, like that didn't happen overnight. I literally would be like, okay, you can't touch your phone after 2 a.m. Okay, you can't touch your phone after 1 30, 1, 12 30, like crazy till I got to mm-hmm. 10. And 10 was my cut I couldn't do before 10. Um, and so just really taking baby steps to get to some goals. And I really think for me, um, it's all about filling yourself up. You know, I, I was raised by a man, my father, who always had us learning. And so we were reading's a big thing in my family and I was never a reader, but if I needed anything in life, like a ride to whatever the store, it was like, well, have you finished this book or you're reading for the morning? I'm like, Oh gosh, where now I'm so grateful for that. Cause I've really stepped into, you know, for me, self-development, like I've got to be reading at least one book a month, but I found that I was over reading myself and I'd abandoned the most important book to me, which is the Bible. And I realized um, as I wanted to learn more about rest and Sabbath and taking care of myself and why people are so drawn to yoga. I'm very passionate right now about yoga because I feel that our, our world is crying out for rest. It's crying out for silence and they're finding it there. And so I've really started studying how Jesus lived in the gospels and, and really like what was Jesus doing and I'm finding he always went and prayed and he always took care of himself. He meditated and he rested. And so I'm shifting my priorities and making non-negotiables. They come first, not last, first. And so that's been a huge thing for me. Yeah, that's I, that's so that's so important. I know it's so hard for people to do until they like actually hit a point where they need to do it. I mean, you see it so much in people's lives people don't change uh like health like their diet or exercise until you have a heart attack or Mm -hmm. something major and it it takes um uh, sometimes it takes that major thing is there any piece of advice that you'd give to people that are trying to make that change and that are like struggling struggling to do that because it is such a hard thing to do like how like how how Um, how did you make those small changes my favorite two words in life are baby steps. And I think people are so crazy that we all, and I include myself in this, we decide, okay, I'm gonna lose all this weight and I'm gonna not eat anything but meat and vegetables or whatever. I'm gonna go vegan, you know, and we don't take those baby steps. You know, we really psych ourselves out to get there. So whether it's your eating or it's your, um, sleep patterns. It, it, you just take a step. I just take one step forward. What's one thing, whatever your goal is, what's one thing you can do to get you there? Or maybe it's one thing you won't do to get you there, but start so small and then build on it. Add something in, you know, maybe it's every week, maybe it's every month, you know, you get yourself some accountability. You don't even have to have accountability. You can just by accountability, like put it on social. There you go. That'll hold you accountable. Now the whole world knows you're doing it. You know, so that, that's my biggest thing is um, not to psych yourself out and start on a scale you can actually achieve. Yeah. And and it sounds like you've made some pretty 
like big changes by doing that uh, for myself i'm like man i can't imagine having my phone outside outside of the room i have the worst habit of falling asleep to watching watching something on my phone um and i'm like man how do you how do you do that but um but you yeah so you're newlywed you got to you got to <laughs> um start young my friend i know i know and and so like what has been like how have you felt what's kind of been the outcome of like those small changes over time for you have you felt diff- have you felt really different well i didn't think it was possible to sleep i really thought i was just that person that didn't need sleep so i think um that really helped and things are tied in together like your weight loss goals are going to be tied into if you're sleeping and stress and I think for me, we don't understand the value. My favorite book right now is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by Mark John Comer. Just read that. Just changed my life. Then how do you still have your phone in your bedroom, man? I know. Hey, (laughs) baby steps, right? Baby Baby steps. steps. (laughs) Yeah, baby steps. So, um... Yeah, just flip it over by midnight. There <laughs> so, you know, I, I love what he talks about with how we've let technology into our life without even realizing it with our phones. And I just started looking at, I can't connect with people. I'm literally at dinner and I'm just scrolling on my phone and I don't even, what am I looking? I don't, why do I need to scroll Instagram for six hours a day? I don't get it, but I do. And so I really think that for me, one of the biggest shifts, and again, it's all about what you want in your life. And for me, I wanted to go old school and start connecting more. And I had um, some health things happen in my life where I was motivated to learn how to sleep and to learn how to take my health to that next level. And so I learned, I, I think that was what God used in my life and God will use something different that motivates all of us very differently. Um, but I'm grateful for some of the struggles I've had that led me to want to achieve some balance with my phone. Um, Cause I sure as heck know I'm not on the Bible app, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just scrolling <laughs> on reels. <laughs> I can't yeah. stop watching all the videos of these new dance moves. <laughs> We'll have to see those someday. Um, (laughs) Did you, were you having uh, like withdrawals when you stopped using your, your phone as much? Did you like feel like I felt when I, I felt super anxious when I've tried to like put my phone away and not have it or like go on a walk without it. Yeah. So John Mark Comer, I think I said his name right. He um, talks about in there how they've done studies and it's like, um, how we're next to our phone and it starts going off and our heart rate literally goes up and we get anxiety and we get like somebody who who is that you know and so to your josh that's why i can't have my phone in the room if the phone's not in the room i because i will go for it i can't even tell you i'm like a crackhead every night i'm like reaching for it and then i'm like what am i why what do i need to see at 4 (laughs) a.m what's on there you know and so yes it's like crack cocaine man i it's so annoying and now i find i'm annoyed if you're at dinner with me i'm like i need your attention and my husband is great he's better than me so i don't have an issue there but you know with other people i'm like 
focus or I'm going to leave the dinner table. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know you start, you start to notice when you, when you make those changes, you notice how much everyone uses their phone and yeah, I constantly am doing the reach for my phone on my desk in between tasks and stuff. And it's like crazy how automatic those things become. You're like, wow, why am I, why am I checking Instagram right now? I like literally am like in between emails. So it's uh yeah, it's definitely something that needs to change for sure. Um, is there any other major things that you want to touch on that we haven't talked about at all? Yeah, I just, I think probably the last thing I would find really important, especially in my journey, cause we're like right now on a highlight reel, but, uh, there are so many ups and downs in my life, you know, that living out loud or living your dreams comes at such a cost. And so I would like to point out how many, you know, for instance, when I first moved to Ireland, I really had to learn how to fire people and grow a company and mess with humans life. It was so painful for me and, and really just learning um, where do I get my peace from and how do I navigate such a calling? And so it's like, the more responsibility you're given there comes in a lot my my dad always said life would be so easy if people were involved (laughs) and i find that so true but i think what's um really huge for me in my life and my family's life and our legacy is is that dreams and perseverance pivoting shifting into a new career it's never too late i really believe i come from a family that taught me you believe it, you dream it, you can do it. And I know that's so American, but I think there's such power in belief and surrounding yourself with people that are saying, do it, go for it. But I know that it doesn't come easy. So I would say to people like, don't, you know, give up the minute it feels a little painful or icky or hard because there's just such sweetness on the other side and reward. And so I love sharing that, you know, if you follow me or my blogs, I I get in there and I share my hard stuff, you know, and and I definitely have very hard things that have happened in my life um, that I'm quick to share after a long time of wrestling with God that that was my story. Mm-hmm. But uh, because I like people to know I'm not just sitting here successful, that it comes with a cost. Yeah, and I really appreciate you sharing those things and other people, um, especially when people see like, oh, this person's running a nine-figure business. They pretty much can do whatever they want, whenever they want, and they have the freedom. And and you don't necessarily see all the responsibility that comes with with that. That's like major responsibility. And so I'm so I'm so thankful for for the people that that do share those things because usually you just see the highlight reel of like oh yeah they're just they just hang out on their yacht all day long and uh and and they they drink their rosé and (laughs) and so um but yeah i i think i think that's so important for 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 people to be able to see is like hey you're human just like the rest Mm -hmm. of us and and struggle with the same things and uh and yeah I, i i love that and so um you have shared some advice. I'm curious if you had one piece of advice to give to creatives and entrepreneurs, what what would that be? 
you can never arrive. So we live in a day and age where something that's trending today can be completely different tomorrow. I mean, take TikTok, for instance, that came out of nowhere and boom, TikTok's our new normal. Um, and, and so I think for creatives, I love creatives that are just hungry and always looking for what's next, you know, and, and just staying hungry. So I think a big thing in my life that I grew up hearing was you got to stay hungry. You got to be able to pivot, shift, and never be too married to anything um, or disappointed. There's plenty of times creatively things fail or you have a great idea and it's just like, yeah, that was a bust. Uh, but I believe that's where genius moments come. And so I believe in those failure moments because they'll lead you to the top. And I also believe that as you continue to try new things and um, just be aware of the pulse check on our world and society and what worked yesterday won't necessarily work today, um, that's going to keep you uh, real nimble and it's going to keep you at the top of your game, basically. Yeah. So I, I love it. Yeah, awesome. And for anyone that is interested, uh, where can people find you? I know you have a lot of a lot of things going on, but um, you do have your podcast. What's what's the name of your podcast? The Balance Girl. The Balance Girl. You can, and I'm assuming you can find that on Spotify, iTunes, pretty yep. much everywhere. Yep. So the Balance Girl. And what are what are your cookbooks? I, I try to keep everything simple. So my handle's Kinsey Pentecost, my website's KinseyPentecost.com. And I love to share free things all the time. So I, I share free recipes every week. And um, so my cookbook's called Simply Balanced and you can find it on my website. And yeah. Awesome, awesome. So we'll put that in the uh, show notes for anyone that is interested. And uh, yeah, definitely if you're looking for a place to find some balance and some health in your life, definitely check out Kenzie's stuff. Uh, she is amazing and she is living it out. So uh, I, I love it. So th thank you so much, uh, Kenzie, for taking the time. I know you have lots of things to do and um, I mean, saving the world, you know? <laughs> so, so appreciate you having you being on here. Thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. And I answer all my DMs. So if you message me or have questions, I'm always and that's how we reconnected on LinkedIn. So it made me feel good about posting on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. So awesome. Well, thank you guys all for listening and we'll see you next time.